Far too often it seems like what divides us is greater than what brings us together. But when you get down to it, all of us have a lot more in common than we often realize. On this episode of The Hot Dish, we're going to talk about the role of immigrants and new Americans in our communities and how they support our towns, what challenges they face, as well as what challenges they pose for our towns, and what we can do to bridge the divides that have come into focus over the past few years. We are a country founded, built, and led by immigrants, Irish, Norwegians, Germans, Italians, Jewish, Muslims, Christians, and more. Families have journeyed here for generations seeking better and more prosperous lives for themselves and their families. Immigrants and new Americans strengthen and become part of our communities, boost our economies, and fill much-needed jobs. Tune in here to hear the incredible story of resilience and the strength from a refugee and an immigrant now living in North Dakota, and hear some of the ideas that we all could be doing to bring our folks together. Fazi Ade is a refugee from Somalia who fled her country when the Civil War broke out when she was a teenager. After spending time in a refugee camp where she struggled to feed and support her family, including her six younger siblings, she eventually made it to the United States searching for opportunities, but was forced to leave her family behind. In 1997, she came to Fargo and has since become a vocal advocate for refugees in the community and is doing her part to help folks resettle in our area, including by increasing economic development for the immigration community in Fargo-Moorhead through her roles at the Immigrant Development Center and building out the International Market Plaza. In 2003, she won YWCA's Woman of the Year Award. Thanks for joining me to hear her share her story about resettling into the United States and all of her work in helping refugees and new Americans in the Fargo-Moorhead region. Fasia, thank you so much for joining me. We're really excited that we're able to do this with you. Thank you, Senator Heitkamp. Um, we, are, we are thankful to you for your support. Well, we, what we, we, we think it's really important that um, we share more stories um, uh, because I think once people hear the stories and once people are um, you know, made aware of what those struggles were and how hard so many people have worked to become, uh, you know, uh, a, a citizen of our country and to become, uh, come to the United States, I think that they will appreciate that this wasn't an easy path and there there isn't um, uh, any quick answers. And so the the greatest tool in understanding is dialogue and communication, it seems to me. And so um, I wanted a chance for you to maybe start telling your story, um, uh, maybe from the beginning when from the refugee camp. That would be great. So I'm, I'm just going to let you tell your story, and I may interject with some questions if I think that it's not completely clear. Okay? Well, good. Oh, good. Um, thank you for the chance. So if you could just start out by, by telling us, um, you know, how you uh, happened to come to the United States and, and uh, what the situation was in your home country and uh, why you think it's important that um, we have a better level of understanding about the challenges that so many in the Somali community have experienced in coming to the United States. Yes. Um, first, when um, I was 13 years old, when my family um, came to Kenya 
because of the war in Somalia and uh, the refugee camp that we stayed, it was in Kenya, Mombasa. It, uh, the name was uh, Utanga. So we stayed in the refugee camp for seven years. We were fortunate enough um, for our camp to be selected to um, some of the refugee uh, to go to another country. So uh, what happened was our camp, when it was seven years old, it was considered it was old. So what happened was uh, the UN then um, sent our information to countries who receive refugees and said this community have been here for so long uh, you know if um, anybody will give them more chance so we had the Australians the Canadians and the Americans come to our camp and they set up three tables and every family had a chance to register and our family my father was so excited he registered us to go to America um, so we went through interview uh, uh, through three months. Uh, they will ask you, what's your name? Where were you born? And then um, if you have any paperwork with you. And so we went through the very uh, process. And, uh, and then after that, there will be health uh, screening. They will screen you and all that stuff. Finally, we were selected to leave um, Kenya, 1997, June 16, um, I was put into the airplane to come to, uh, my first stop was Washington, D.C. Um, tran uh, our transit was in New York, so that's where we got our paperwork. So every um, person gets a plastic bag that has their I-94 and all that stuff that says this person, it's a refugee, and it's allowed to uh, work in the United States. And then I come to Washington, D.C. Uh, um, Internal Rescue Committee is the organization who settled me first. And then um, I was part of a camp that was 3,000 people. And so what happened was I, my family only was located in Washington, D.C., and most of our um, other group was located in North Dakota through Lutheran Social Services. So uh, after settling in Washington for two, three months, we start calling all over the United States, where is the rest of the people? So we find out some of us were in Atlanta, the other ones in Ohio, uh, some in Minneapolis, most of them in uh, North Dakota, and I was on the phone with them asking how is life there, what is the cost of living and all that stuff. And they told me uh, uh, my apartment meant was 1200 in Washington, D.C. Uh, but my friends in North Dakota said we are paying 425 and uh, we have, uh, you know, um, jobs that, interim jobs that um, don't, uh, you know, they, uh, with our limited English, they're hiring us. So I, I hopped in the bus and uh, came to uh, Fargo, North Dakota, 1997, December. So, and then re-registered myself through Lutheran Social Services because you have the first eight months 
in the United States uh, to welcome you or help you and have you have a caseworker and get all your paperwork done. So that's how I came to North Dakota. Since then, I didn't go back. Well, I, I, I think people would be curious because one of the things that you frequently hear is that you know, um, uh, the refugees are are basically not working, and that they spend a lot of time, um, you know, just just getting government assistance. And and I, I think that's a myth that um, we need to spend more time talking about. And if you could just tell about your work history and what you've been able to do, and other people in your community, and and the kinds of jobs that they're working at right now in in the Fargo area. Um, I started working in the housekeeping area first, and then the, my second job was 7-Eleven, the only 7-Eleven we used to have in 13th Avenue. And then I worked um, in a production line. It's called Dakota INC. Uh, and then uh, I also went to English classes. I uh, uh, started learning English, and my English became um, fluent. I worked in the family health as an interpreter, and then I applied for a um, national organization that's called Omni um, uh, for uh, interpreting over the phone. So I was, while I was in North Dakota, I was working a company that was based in California, and I was making good money. I worked for them over six years, and then uh, that's where I decided that I don't belong in interpreting area, but I belong to serve the community. So I start working on um, developing this project that I'm working on, uh, the Immigrant Development Center, uh, start building relationship in our uh, community, meeting everybody, talking about how there is a need that we need a, a grassroots organization that supports new Americans. But our community here in North Dakota, we have over 12 um, companies uh, that are all uh, um, industrial uh, uh, companies that hire new Americans who uh, are production line um, and uh, they are succeeding in North Dakota because of the new Americans working in their company. Because of that, North Dakota has 0.3. In North Dakota, everybody has a job. Less people are without a job. So um, we have the best uh, state, and also uh, our community uh, wants to stay here. They want to be part of this success story. So, and our organizations are working uh, on the ground to make sure that happens. Yeah, I, I think yeah, if I can just clarify, are you saying that the unemployment among the Somali community is at 0.3 percent? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that's a, a critical piece of knowledge. And I know there's always going to be integration issues. There's always going to be issues where where, uh, you know, cultural changes um, uh, have have some concerns. But I think that the um, the work that's being done within the community and, and by the Fargo City Council and the work that's being done by the uh, by the um, uh, police department to to basically have outreach and I, I mean these are all really positive things to bridge some of those concerns that neighbors may have or that people may have um, uh, regarding the new American community. How how do you see if if you could um, 
offer a couple suggestions for folks on what more we could do that would um, raise awareness or or allow us to better understand the challenges on both sides? What what would you recommend? Well, uh, there is a community uh, outreach that needs to be done, education, uh, educating the community. Uh, lately, we had some um, negative uh, news uh we had some negative uh, politici- politicians who uh, painted the refugee community are not uh, good for us and they are costing us more. But to be honest, uh, we are taxpayers and none of us are staying home. We are all working. Uh, the 12 companies who are here in North Dakota would not succeed if it's not us going to work every day. The jobs that we hold, most of the people, they don't want to do that job. Uh, so... Uh, what what is happening is uh, we need to go back and um, educate the community in the college, in the um, all the areas because there is a need in our area that we need to share. Who is these people? Why are they here? And uh, they are just a human being, and they have family, and they are trying to support their family. So uh, because. Uh, they are, um, they are survivors. They left their country. They are not supposed to be picked on or um, somebody should use them in their political purposes or to gain more, uh, uh, to, to gain more, um, like, popularity. Some people, if they say something about the new Americans or the immigrant community, they just automatically get attention. And that's not fair. Uh, we are giving attention to um, people who don't even deserve uh, on the price of a human being. Uh, and that's not fair. I think um, our politicians should serve all their community in every color, in every uh, differences they have, not to pick on one um, small community and, and, and leave the others or put, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, minority group down. I don't think that will be a healthier um, community for us. Right now we are in in very um, critical time in North Dakota that we need to gather our energy back together and work together and educate each other. Yeah, I mean, the one the, uh, joining me later on this podcast will be... Um, uh, the um, police chief, David Todd from Fargo. And I think that one of the things that was, you know, obviously the the situation in the parking lot went viral and a lot of people asked me about it. And, and I kind of got my back up and I said, but let me tell you the rest of the story, kind of like Paul Harvey said, you know, yeah. the rest of the story is that, you know, people got angry and uh, said things that they shouldn't have and, um, and then um, were incredibly remorseful. And and um, by the leadership of uh, the chief of police, we were able to pull. Um, he was able to bring the groups together and build understanding. And and I think you know probably even a long lifelong friendship. And and so that's the 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 story that we should remember from all of this. That is that we can all uh, be fearful of something that's different, but at the end, we share as human beings. We share so much more 
um, uh, commonality than than differences. And and certainly your story of struggle and your story of I you know I could see the smile on your face when you said your father wanted to come to America and and that's what you did. And and you know that's that's the age old dream for so many of us. I mean I'm German. Uh, American, I'm uh, Norwegian American, uh, you know, third generation, um, and and my grandfather spoke Norwegian and my grandmother spoke German and they understood each other, um, but but uh, eventually the next generation will will be uh, stronger and more integrated and and we will be stronger for it. I, there's no doubt in my mind, and so I want to thank you so much for for joining me. I want to thank you so much for telling your story. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll be able to build on this and build on the great work that uh, Chief Todd um, uh, did uh, to continue to build awareness and and to understand that you know recently another great story about North Dakota. There was some very uh, inflammatory things said on a in a broadcast news show, and uh, a week later um, in one of the mosques, they invited people to come. Um, from the from the community, and they had overflow crowds, people wanting to know and and to show support. And so, um, frequently we we judge everything by the one person, um, right. you know, or the 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 group of people. When when we're all we're all uh, in this together. And I want to thank you for choosing North Dakota. Um, yes. You definitely are an incredible asset to our state. And I want to encourage you to continue to speak out and we'll encourage you can encourage me to continue to speak out it's only it's so you. you bet thank you so much you, yeah, have, you have a great rest of the day our senator senator uh, heidi uh, <laughs> and the support you give our um, organization because of you we have the international market plaza you supported us through ocs you supported us through CDFI. There is a lot of work in national work that you do. We are so appreciative of your work, Senator Heidi Heikamp. Thank you so much. And you have a great rest of your day and a wonderful weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Fargo Police Chief David Todd began leading the department in 2015 with the goal of stressing the importance of inclusiveness. He has been an outstanding leader in the Fargo community who goes above and beyond to address the challenges facing Fargo head-on and has had a first-hand look at how the community is dealing with the integration of refugees and immigrants to the region. I'm proud to call him a friend. I think everyone in North Dakota should be proud um, uh, of his work in law enforcement. And Chief Todd, I want to thank you so much for taking your time to talk to me about an issue that's so important to the folks in Fargo and across the state. And I want to thank you for being such a leader in bringing people together and bridging those divides. Recently, a lot of North Dakotans were watching as national um, news started covering what was, in fact, a, a pretty... Um, you know, disturbing thing that happened between a group of three Somali young women and, a, and an older woman from Mapleton. And, um, you know, I watched it and I thought, you know, things happen and people get a little um, riled up and sometimes they say things they don't agree with. And right away she started, the, the woman from Mapleton started talking about how she regretted what she said. And I thought, somebody needs to kind of bring these folks together 
And then I pick up the newspaper <laughs> the next day, and I find out our amazing police chief from Fargo did exactly that. And it didn't surprise me, but it did, um, it did really make me very proud of the Fargo PD and all the people who serve there and their leadership. And so I wanted Chief Todd to join us, talk a little bit about that experience, but maybe broadly talk about the experience of being a police chief in a community um, that, that has in the past welcomed refugees but um, is experiencing some of the growing pains as a result of that. So, Chief Todd, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast and for um, the work that you do in Fargo, not just on this, but pretty much everything. You're just, I think, um, if I can can say this, you are just the best. You are just the best police chief. Well, thank you, Senator. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I always enjoy talking to you, it, it, and it's an honor to talk to you. How 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 many police chiefs get to talk to their senator? I mean, I I'm amazed at the access I have to you, so I'm I'm grateful for that. And, well, I, and I, this is a good this is a good opportunity, I think, to to also provide a good learning example to to folks on on how if we sit down together and work through our issues and get to know each other a little bit, um, that sometimes we can get over those issues and, and come together with some understanding and respect for each other. Well, maybe what you want to do is just kind of tell, I gave a little bit of an intro, tell what happened and kind of how you got involved and, and the work that you have, his, the Fargo PD has historically been doing in terms of outreach. I think that's critical. On this incident, uh, we had a, uh, you know, a, a woman from, Mapleton, North Dakota, who was parked in the parking space at Walmart, and then uh, three young Somali women who had pulled into a parking space uh, fairly close to her vehicle so that it would be almost uh, impossible or difficult for her to get into her vehicle. Uh, and then they had opened uh, a door into her vehicle, and I think she saw that happened, and she rushed out into the parking lot and they uh, had a, a verbal altercation, I guess as I would call it, that uh, went viral. Um, the, uh, the woman whose name is Amber Hensley, you know, used some very inappropriate uh, commentary, uh, racial commentary that uh, um, she later regretted, and uh, the young Somali women also use some commentary uh, that they later regretted. Well, of course, we uh, we were called to investigate this, um, and we, we were investigating it. And during the course of the investigation and the interviews, uh, Amber Hensley had posted uh, a Facebook post that uh, expressed regret and remorse for, for what she had said. Um, and, of course, what she had said was caught on video, by uh, one of the young Somali women, and that had been posted and reposted, um, and had kind of gone viral through really more than just the community, the whole region, and was starting to uh, get out there to the rest of the country. Um, and through the investigation, uh, of course, uh, the forum was able to get a hold of the three Somali women, and they did an interview on them. And that appeared in the in the media the next day, where they also expressed some regret for some of the things that they had said. And so uh, my my assistant chief or my deputy chief Todd Osmondson was sitting in the office with me, and he said, "You know, I wonder if this might be an opportunity for some mediation." 
And I said, you know, I think you're right. I think that's a great idea. I will speak to the state's attorney, uh, make sure that the state's attorney's office is comfortable with that option. And I asked him to reach out and make contact with the different parties involved and see if they would be willing to, to come together and try to mediate through this. And so the state's attorney's office was all on board. They thought it was a, a good idea and thought that was an appropriate path for this to take. And uh, all of the parties involved in this um, also were agreeable to it and actually eager to get together to work through uh, what had happened out there in, in the parking lot. Now, part of the reason I did this, Senator, was because um, this was no longer just an issue that happened in the parking lot. This was now a community issue that was becoming very divisive on social media and through uh, different media reports, and, and, and it had even grown beyond the community. And I thought, wow, what an opportunity if we could bring these parties together, if we could sit down where they could get to, to know each other, understand each other's backgrounds and pasts, um, and hopefully come to reconciliation. Wouldn't that be a positive example for the community on how we could all reach out beyond our comfort zones, get to know each other a little bit better, come to understand each other, and maybe maybe uh, get rid of some of those feelings of suspicion? So we brought them into the office here, and uh, you know, as I've told others, I just about got run over by all these women coming together and hugging and crying. Uh, and they cried for about three minutes straight, you know, where they couldn't say a word. So we had to give them some time to to do that and then collect themselves, and then we sat down and we just kind of talked through the whole thing. Well, it's an amazing example of instead of just, uh, you know, throwing back viral videos one way or the other way, you know, and letting things get out of hand to bring the principals back together and have them say, look, it was a regrettable incident on everyone's part. We don't like what this says about us, and we don't like what it says about our community, and we're going to fix it. And, you know, it just it, 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 it doesn't happen often enough. We just assume that these, um, these uh, impasses or these animosities can't be cured by dialogue. And, you right. know, I think one thing that you proved is just the invitation for people to come together what made all the difference. And, and I love because it's not really well known how involved the state's attorney was and, you know, kind of your process on how you pulled all this together. But it certainly, I think, um, speaks volumes about Fargo. Now, what I do want people to understand is that we do have a fair uh, number of new Americans in our community, and the Fargo PD, um, I think, has taken the lead. I know Fargo City has been involved, too, but the Fargo PD, as long as I've been around, has had the group of or has a, a program for integration and for uh, outreach to the community. Can you talk a little bit about how you assign police officers to the community and how sure. you try and avoid problems before they start? Uh, well, I wish I could avoid all problems before they start. But, <laughs> you, know, it, you, know, but you, you ask a very good question. We've got probably, uh, I think, around a population of around 8,000 um, 
refugees and new Americans in the city of Fargo that have relocated here. And uh, they certainly, I think, are a valuable part of our community and contribute uh, in many positive ways to our community. Um, so as we were growing in that in that community uh, and, and many different uh, backgrounds from Africa, Asia, um, Europe, uh, different places that uh, people have come from, uh, we put together a cultural liaison officer position probably, I'm, I'm guessing it had been about 12 years ago now. And uh, that position reaches out to all these communities and, and is a liaison to those communities. The officer provides education uh, to to people when they get relocated here as to what our, our laws are, appropriate behavior, um, you know, discipline of children, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate in our country, um, driver's licenses and insurance information, you know, that are necessary to drive a car, and just kind of cover a wide, they cover a wide spectrum uh, of, of education with, with folks when they first come here, and then maintain that relationship. Um, we also have two community trust officers who also work out work with the younger populations, uh, the kids uh, from these different uh, ethnic groups and, and establish relationships with them and, and try to be mentors to those kids uh, to, to keep them on, on the right track. Now, I, I uh, through those different positions, uh, they facilitate meetings for me with uh, elders and leaders of those different communities so that we can stay in touch uh, with what the issues of the day are, questions they might have about why we do certain things. Um, and, uh, you know, and they also invite me to some of their functions so that, uh, you know, we, we can maintain a good relationship and uh, discuss, you know, feel free to discuss issues before they become problems, like you had said before. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that, I don't know what happens in other cities, but I do know that the work that you're doing is not only important for you to help you maintain the, uh, the peace in, in Fargo and to continue to understand and have those informal ways of, of um, communication, informal ways of communication. And so right. the more we can keep people part of the community, um, the more they can uh, uh, feel like they are invested in, in the United States and their communities. Well, you're, you're right. I mean, this is, this is where the relationship part of, of it's so important, you know, making sure that those open doors of communication are there. The the mosque has asked me to come and speak there, which I've done. Um, I have the different leaders and elders of, of the communities come in and meet with me. Our community trust officers, you know, are, are really focusing on relationships with the, the young people of these communities that, you know, so they don't feel disenfranchised, so they don't feel like they're not welcome. Uh, so that doesn't become a breeding ground of, of radicalization, um, you know. And, and so we're we're doing the best we can um, in in those efforts. I'll I'll twist your arm just a little bit, Senator. I do have a a, a grant application in for two more community <laughs> trust officers. So if you can pull some strings for me, <laughs> I would I would that. give you any number that you needed. You know that if it were up to me, but we we certainly continue to support these efforts. You know, to bring it back to what you did with these young Somali women and this uh, woman from Mapleton, I, I want to just say that's exactly what all the community needs to see. 
not just our side of it or their side of it, but everybody who's part of your community, seeing people come together with, with um, reconciliation and forgiveness and um, better understanding. I mean, that's, that's just such an incredible story, but it really is an example of what you try and do every day. It's not some one-off that, that uh, you know, you kind of practice. It's, it's because, of, because of all the work that you've done, you knew this opportunity existed to have this conversation. Well, I really think that uh, the, the, the conversation is uh, very pertinent today, you're one of those people that understands that, that it is about relationships, uh, um, especially with the police department. But, I mean, here was an opportunity to provide a positive example to the rest of the community. And it's positive examples that change hearts and minds. It's not, it's not being angry and blaming people and, and being a keyboard warrior on social media. Uh, it's providing positive examples that, that make people sit up and say, hey, you know, maybe maybe I could try a little here. Uh, maybe I can be a part of a process where I come to understanding as some my neighbor uh, or somebody that I work with uh, that I can get to know them a little bit and and erase those those suspicions or fears. Well, I I just want you to know how incredibly proud because it wasn't just the eyes of North Dakota or Fargo that were on you um, and regionally. It was the eyes of the country and the example that was set on behalf of the citizens of Fargo and more, and as important, the, the example that was set on behalf of all the people that you lead. I just can't say enough. I, I was so proud when I saw it. I knew I wanted to have you on and to talk a little bit more about it, but I just want you to know how grateful I am that you have chosen a, a career in public service. You are just the best. Thank you very much, Senator. You bet. You take care and have a great day. 